Welcome back to the Savates Blockchain channel. Uh, I am Mike Wade, founder and president of Savates, and we are wrapping up with the final video of our uh, coverage from Crypto CoinCon. Uh, this one is with Andrew Bull, who is uh, an attorney with Titan Ventures. His presentation was on tokenomics, a regulatory framework for blockchain security tokens and decentralized networks. And that may sound really boring to you, but I don't think it was. I'm really interested in this type of stuff from a regulatory perspective because, you know, where we're, crypto is not a little uh, wild west anymore. I mean, if you want to do anything serious in this space, you have to think about these kind of issues. And uh, Andrew definitely knows what he's talking about. And uh, we did have a we did have a conversation afterward um, because there aren't just like when I was talking about Brian for the last video, there's not a lot of accountants in the space that really understand the the legal ramifications of, you know, cryptocurrency gains. And, and you know, if you want to roll a coin out, what does it mean? Um, you want to not go to jail <laughs> and do this properly as a business, then, um, yeah, we need people like Brian and like Andrew uh, that, that understand it can help us protect ourselves. So, I thought his speech was was really great. Um, so I want you to give a listen. This is uh, Andrew Bull, uh, crypto attorney. Take a listen. Uh, Andrew Bull coming up and he's going to talk about tokenomics, a regulatory framework for blockchain, security tokens, and decentralized networks. Andrew Bull. Myriad of different actors. 
And so when I talk about tokenomics, one of the largest components to evaluating whether a token is categorized a certain way from a regulatory perspective, you kind of have to look at the regulators who are addressing the actual token. And so in this category, we have the SEC, the CFTC, the IRS, and FinCEN. And just kind of taking a little bit of a historical backdrop to all of this, FinCEN was one of the first governmental agencies that actually cared about Bitcoin, and they held seven hearings back in 2014, 2015, to try to figure out how to combat fraudulent use of it. And the majority of us all know about Silk Road and how they were trying to combat this usage of a coin that was ostensibly untraceable at the time, which we now know, and a lot of people have referenced, it's not intrinsically uh, non-traceable. And so when thinking about from a regulator, regulator perspective, there should be a next slide. There it is. Okay. So thinking about the money laundering, the AML, the KYC issues are affiliated with tokens. And a lot of the projects that I advise, one of the first things I always tell them is that the SEC specifically is taking the approach that they're applying traditional securities evaluations to now established token projects. And going back to that point about misinformation, I want to highlight kind of something that happened around four or five months ago is that there was all of this misinformation about how the SEC was going to hold a hearing regarding whether the Ether token on the Ethereum platform was a security. And a byproduct or concern around that, and for those of you who don't know, the ERC20 token, which is the token that can be created on the Ethereum platform, has contributed to the majority of ICOs that have transpired over the last few years. And so that would obviously have a pretty significant regulatory impact if they were going to categorize the Ether token itself as a security. However, the SEC had actually never provided any type of information that they were going to have a hearing and on top of that, the majority of the misinformation was kind of focused towards that they were, were going to categorize it as a security. And then there was a, a market implication because of that, and we saw a drop in price. And about a month and a half later, uh, one of the commissioners of the SEC came out and they made a very clear statement about how they're not categorizing any tokens from a blanket perspective. They're not setting a standard, they're not establishing a specific framework that once you apply that framework to your token, that you'll actually be able to be compliant from a security perspective. Realistically, what they're doing is, I'm sure a lot of us are aware of Operation Crypto Suite, which was an endeavor by governmental agencies to subpoena a bunch of information from a lot of ICOs that had occurred over the last year or six months. And basically what they're looking for is they're trying to determine the Howey test in its applicability to current tokens. And the Howey test, when I'll explain in a second, the multiple factors and how we can kind of clear up some of the things that can be evaluated early on, especially when you're seeking investment for your project, because that's probably the biggest scenario that is really applicable to when you're needing to be the most compliant. And I've had clients on both ends of the spectrum, some that never even thought about compliance, some that are so compliant that they can't even actually pursue their token generation event. 
And so with that in mind, I'm thinking about tokenomics, I kind of break it down into three categories. So there's the utility token, the security token, and the payment token. And with all of this, I do have to clarify that I am an attorney, but I'm not giving any actual legal advice here, so you can't turn around and sue me for that legal advice. Uh, but realistically, any token out there outside of Bitcoin and Ether token could potentially be a security. Even if it exists now, even if it's already gone through an ICO, even if it raised $50 million and is backed by JP Morgan, that token, no matter how functional, no matter how essential it is to the platform, could still be a security. I just want to make that very clear because I've been in multiple situations with clients and also with advisory boards or projects looking to invest in ICO projects. And realistically, the rhetoric that is provided is so distanced away from that notion. It's very much that if you just harp on what a utility token is and its functionality, you'll be able to bypass securities regulation. And in the US, that's just an insanely great mistake, and it will most likely result in substantial fines and the project most likely getting an absolute outright ban by the FCC. So when considering this token breakdown, I just want to kind of have the backdrop that there are utility tokens and their functionality is important, but it doesn't determine whether or not it's a security token. And so these categories somewhat blend together. Now thinking about regulatory frameworks. Regulatory frameworks are essentially what governmental agencies, specifically in the United States, are going to apply to the blockchain space in general and then tokens specifically. And so the nuclear code approach that I wanted to probably deduce is that it's not quite banned. And obviously we haven't had that. We've seen China ban crypto use exchanges, stuff like that, kind of being on the other side of the spectrum. But from the regulatory standpoint in the US, I will say that from my perspective, and I've spoken to the regulators about this, is that they really want to foster the innovation of the technology and they want to combat against fraudulent use. And that kind of goes back to the consumer protection thematic point that I was talking about before. And so when thinking about that, realistically, there's kind of these other frameworks. And so we have a limited uh, prohibition approach. <laughs> right, so the limited is much more of like the regulators decide what they will allow for fostering of innovation. And then we also have the, there's like a, a, an amalgamation between a stakeholder approach and a regulatory approach in that the individuals within the space actually contribute to regulation. And everyone should also be aware that the SEC holds a bi-monthly call, and uh, I was fortunate enough to be on it uh, two months ago, and they were talking about blockchain regulation and how to combat fraudulent use using crypto, specifically talking about phishing scams within the ICO context. And so they're hyper-aware of everything that's going on in this space. The issue is, is that from bureaucratic standpoint, they don't want to come out with any type of blanket regulation because then they're going to most likely be kicking themselves down the line when some type of unique technology or component of blockchain comes out and may not fit the traditional mold of what is a security or what is not a security. And so in thinking about the frameworks, kind of a, a blending between the regulatory approach where they're pretty strict and also keeping in mind how to foster innovation. That's kind of the SEC's perspective. And we've seen the CFTC come into uh, the game with uh, futures and futures contracts that came out last year. 
And then also FinCEN has been in pretty tough for a while, and obviously the IRS is also involved because for tax purposes. Then all of these governmental agencies are, are somewhat contributing to a general framework, but there's still a lot of gray area, as most people who are operating in this space know. And realistically, that's where the misinformation kind of really grows and gets to spread. And so I'm going to kind of break down a little bit in terms of when talking about the security versus utility token, but keeping in mind that what I said before is that any utility token could be a security token. There's two things about a lot of projects whenever I tell them or give them advice, whether it's legal or just general advisory. Um, suggestions is that don't ever promise an increase in price. Don't ever tell an investor that your token is going to be worth more in the future compared to what it is now. That's one of the problems of the Howey test. Is there an expectation of profits? And that's really one of the most important components of the evaluative test, which is called the Howey test in reference to a Supreme Court case from the 1950s, and really has nothing to do with anything, but that's what the SEC uses in terms of determining whether a token is a security or determining whether any financial instrument is a security. And so don't ever tell anybody that your token is going to be worth more money, especially an investor. The other thing to do is to avoid all talk about exchanges. Don't discuss with investors whether your token is going to be on an exchange. Don't tell them it's going to be on an exchange. Don't tell them you're in talks with a specific exchange, whether it's in the US or abroad. It's just not a good idea and will most likely result in the satisfaction of this test that will then eventually categorize your token as a security. So that's something to consider. And realistically, like I said before, the SEC does this on a case-by-case basis. So they're subpoenaing information of every individual project that has kind of come onto their radar to determine whether they can go through all of this information through the contracts, through the documents, through the white paper, through safes, staffs, TECs, which I'll get to in a minute. And they're evaluating the language that has been put in there. And there are a significant amount of projects out in space, and this is also from the perspective of an investor as well, is that you want to make sure that you're doing your due diligence and you're asking questions about who their lawyers are. What are they sought in terms of legal advice? What types of documents or contracts will they enter into with third parties? All of these things should be considerations in terms of whether you're going to either invest in a project or participate in a project, whatever you're going to do with that project, just make sure that you're asking those questions because, because the legal components of this industry are, are much more nascent than the actual industry itself. We've obviously seen a large transformation over the last two years, but I interact with lawyers all the time, and I mean, it's less than 4 or 5% of these attorneys that actually know anything about the underlying tech. If I say open source decentralized information sharing, they have no idea what I'm talking about. If I talk about blockchain in general, about how it's going to apply, the only thing they know is when it was in some newspaper they read or something along those lines. And so just keep in mind that there's an educational hurdle with not only individuals operating in the space or those trying to enter in the space, but also the professionals who are advocating on behalf of the space, namely attorneys. Which is a little ironic seeing as I'm an attorney up here advocating information about the space. So real quick, I just want to quickly touch on the Dow and the Munchie cases, which I think are the two most important 
And the, the DAO is the decentralized autonomous organization was categorized as a security, and so was the Munchie token. And a lot of people have probably heard about the DAO, so we can talk about the Munchie a little bit more in depth and then wrap it up. But basically, one of the issues that they had was kind of going back to what I was talking about before, is that they were advocating that their token was in fact going to be worth a lot more money than what it was worth at the time. And it was a very traditional VC-backed restaurant-based review blockchain company, but at the end of the day, really, they just made this one mistake that ended up resulting in a security categorization, and they hadn't done any of the compliance that would have allowed them to avoid a potential fine or a potential elimination of their company as a whole, had they done a little bit of due diligence or really sought out the workplace. And so, the other one is Digital Watch which is a online company uh, back on the West Coast who actually issued their tokens to the individuals who invested in the company, which is a whole other aspect of regulation in general. But anyways, those are a couple of different instances of where we can kind of deduce some of the information to create a standard of what the legal frameworks are associated within the blockchain space. So when talking about the security tokens themselves, there's this whole new industry, and I'm sure that a lot of people have been seeing more and more articles, more and more information affiliated with what security tokens are. And we have platforms like T0, Polymath, all these new platforms that are coming out that are basically creating a subset of the industry that are going to allow for asset-backed, dividend-specific tokens that don't actually have any functionality on the platform. And so a lot of these, none of these tokens are operational yet. Uh, so if anyone says different, then I'd like to debate on that. But basically what it comes down to is that they're eventually going to attempt to layer the token framework into traditional stocks. And so if I want to go out and I want to buy a point to one percent of an Apple stock, the security token framework really alludes to that and also helps benefit. Anyways, so in that, that's kind of where I see the security token going. And more than happy to talk about exchanges and stuff like that, but obviously I'm going to wrap this stuff up. And so feel free to come up to me. More than happy to answer any legal questions, anything regarding the space in general. And thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you.